If you weren't here last week, we're, we're beginning a series where this is week two of that series on um, our inheritance. I, I threatened to call this series um, uh, Get Rich. <laughs> I haven't come up with a better name yet, so it's still, I'm still calling it Get Rich. But it's about the riches of our inheritance in God. Um, if you go with me, go with me to Ephesians 1. That's where we're going to start tonight, and that's where we started last week. Um, and I just want to do a quick refresher um, of some things we spoke last week, because they may not ever make it up onto the Internet in, in case you were hoping to re-catch that message. Um, we had some technical difficulties. So regardless, just to recap a little bit last week, um, there's this prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 1, and part of that prayer is he says, In verse 18, I pray that the eyes, I gave you verse, what do you got, 13, 14. Go to verse 18 if you can. If not, those of you following along who are able to, go to verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Say, glorious inheritance. Now say it like it's a good thing. Glorious inheritance. All right. Paul says, I'm praying for you. He's talking to the early church. He's talking to people that know Jesus. He says, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that you would know the riches of your glorious inheritance in Jesus. He's saying there is something that you now have in God that I want you to know about. It's something that God, in fact, has given you. He's won for you. And just because you know him now doesn't mean you're going to know the truth of the riches of your glorious inheritance because of Jesus. So I'm praying that you would know it. He's saying these these things are important. They're important for your life now. Um, We talked about what this inheritance is, what it looks like. Inheritance, by definition, is an irrevocable gift. That's one understanding of it. But more often than not, it actually showed up in the form of um, goods or money that was left and passed down at the death of a family member. Okay, so inheritance comes through a family line more often than not. But both of those definitions are good for us in our understanding of what is our inheritance through Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. What is our inheritance through Jesus? So irrevocable gift, that's a good definition to give us some understanding on this. But then also understanding it's a gift that's come through a family line. And last week we said that this this inheritance, the only way for you or I to actually get this inheritance is we have to be grafted into the family of God. And that's what Jesus accomplished through the Son, is he actually has adopted us into his family. Romans says that through Jesus we are now children of God, and if we're children of God, then we're co-heirs with Jesus. Heirs, those who would receive the inheritance. 
So you're not in the family of God by accident if you are his. You're not in his family by accident. You're definitely in his family, and he has an inheritance for each one of us. And it's come to us through Jesus. Are you with me? So um, Jesus' death on your behalf is the very thing that grafts you into his family. Last week we said the beginning of our understanding and the in place of our understanding on inheritance is that in Jesus we haven't just inherited some things, we've inherited a family. You, through Jesus, have inherited a family. In fact, Jesus says that um, eternal life, okay, and this discussion uh, was prevalent in his day, how do we inherit eternal life. Jesus says, you know what it is to inherit eternal life? It's to know him. Eternal life is to know God and the one he sent, the son. Are you with me? So we think about eternal life as a place, but Jesus says eternal life is actually a person. It's actually knowing the father and knowing the son. So, inheritance is being invited into a family. That's the invitation of God, and that's the gift of God through the Son. All right, that's my little summation of last week. Okay, are you with me? You guys with me? All right, that was pretty good, I think. For um, That was like 30 minutes into 6 or 7. I don't know. I, I didn't keep count. All right, you should be happy, smiling. The, the Spirit is helping us today, I can tell. I can't do that on my own. <laughs> All right, here's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about a continuation of that understanding that our inheritance is the family that we've been brought into, okay? Our inheritance is a person, not things, okay? Um, And I want to talk specifically about a person of our inheritance that's part of this family called the Holy Spirit. Yeah, all right. Two of you are like, yay, Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that for a minute. The Holy Spirit, first of all, is a person. Okay? The Holy Spirit is part of the family that you've been invited into through Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, you know, I have a plan. And part of this plan, you're not going to believe this, but um, it's better that I leave you. He was looking at the disciples whom he had been with for some years. And he said, said, you're not going to believe this when I say it. You're you're definitely not going to believe this when I go. But I am leaving you. The the Harley convention is in town this weekend. Don't worry about it. Um, He says, you're not going to believe this, but it's better that I go. And he says, the reason is because... I'm sending another one in my place. I'm sending my spirit. And if you know any, anything from the Old Testament, one of the things you see is that the way that the spirit of God interacted with people, it was, it was, um, it was not in, in this individual type of way that Jesus says the spirit's going to come and be with you. It wasn't like that. The spirit of God often interacted or visited individuals, but it was for the whole people. So, for example, the Spirit of God would move through the prophets in the Old Testament on behalf of the people, and the prophet would give the Word of God to the people. The Spirit would empower that. 
It, we, we're told in the Old Testament the Spirit would come and, and would, would visit, would fall on a person. For example, Saul, <clears throat> even Saul, who had all these insecurities, he had all these problems, um, but the people wanted a king, and, and God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. And we see, in fact, the Spirit of God fell on Saul. Um, he was filled with the Spirit for a season. But then the Spirit left him, and when the Spirit left, man, bad news for Saul. Things did not go well from, from there. In the New Testament, we see something completely different. Jesus says, I'm going to send my Spirit, and my Spirit's going to be with each of you. Something completely different. Last week, you remember dial-up, fiber optic, internet. Some of you don't remember dial-up. You didn't do your homework and go look it up over the week. But this is what we get in Jesus. We get a complete upgrade, something way better than, than um, Verizon Fios. Something really, really good. Okay, let's read this right here. Ephesians 1. Um, starting in verse 13. John, you, you do have that. And this is what it says. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the one who Jesus was talking about, the one who Jesus said, It's better that I go because the Holy Spirit is coming. I promise talking about promises of God, okay? One of the questions we have, what has God promised us in Jesus? One of the things God promised us in Jesus is that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with us. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? The Holy Spirit is a down payment for your inheritance. The Holy Spirit is a down payment guaranteeing, proving it to be true, proving it to be official, your inheritance in God. You see, we talked about this inheritance being something that comes only after there's a death. Guess what? The death has already happened. Jesus died. The inheritance is now. And the beginning of your inheritance is the Holy Spirit entering your life. How about that? That's the starting place of your inheritance. You've been invited into a family, and when you came into that family, you were marked with the seal, guaranteeing all that you have in the family, and that seal was the Holy Spirit in and with you. You have the presence of God available to you 24-7. Do you know that? You have the presence of God right next to you, accessible in you. That's a real upgrade. That's a real upgrade. Jesus said, I know you're going to need some help, so I'm sending a helper. If you ever need help, (laughs) you don't have to look very far. You say, Holy Spirit... Where are you? Oh, there you are. (laughs) Help me. The Holy Spirit is the beginning of our inheritance. And it's the guarantee of the continuation of our inheritance. 
In fact, what I want to say is everything that God has for us, all the promises that he wants to fulfill in regards to what he's done, come through the Holy Spirit. So it's pretty vital that we understand, learn what the Spirit is like, learn what it's like to interact with the Spirit, communicate with the Spirit of God, to hear from the Spirit of God, to even know what the Spirit of God wants to communicate and interact with us about. Are you with me? Your inheritance, everything God's promised, it comes through the work of the Spirit of God in your life. So it wouldn't be an understatement to say we really need the Spirit. There's not a plan for you to to know God and understand Him and interact with Him that doesn't include the Holy Spirit. I want to read. Um, I want to read another passage. Um, it's Romans eight. Romans eight, verse fourteen. It says this about the Spirit and what the Spirit helps us with. Okay. So if our inheritance is a family, and the Holy Spirit is the beginning of that inheritance, the Holy Spirit is actually how we interact with the family. This is what it says. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Amen. You do not have to live in fear any longer. That was, that was part of our first message. Or second one, I lost track. Well, I think we're on number three. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. It's the spirit that actually brought you into the family of God. Because it's only by the spirit that you can now be made right with God. And by that same spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. It's by the Spirit of God that we're actually able to relate to God rightly. It's by the Spirit of God that we're actually able to know and trust in His goodness and His love for us. So if you're having a problem with that, you need to ask the Spirit, would you help me to see God for who He really is as a good Father? This passage says it's the Spirit that enables you to see God rightly in this family. Um, I want to read another passage. Okay, so the Spirit helps us to understand what the Father is like. That same Spirit helps us to understand what Jesus is like. It's in, let's go to um, John chapter 14. Sorry, I didn't give you this one. Jesus, again, talking about the spirit that would come after he leaves, he says this. He says, I will ask the Father. Sorry, I'm just rushing ahead. That's very rude of me. Chapter 14, verse 16. Okay, if you want to go there, you just want to listen. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Right there, there's a shift in the promise. God says, I'm sending this helper, and the helper is going to be with you forever. That deposit is irrevocable. That part of your inheritance, irrevocable. The gift of the Spirit in your life. 
So there's not a time where you go through something, you do something, you say something, you're, you're not living out the truth of your identity where the Spirit of God says, you know what, I can't hang out here anymore. No. And in fact, if you're wondering about that, just look at Jesus. Jesus, he wasn't scared off by sinners. He wasn't scared off by sin. In fact, he was attracted to sinners. He was attracted to sin because he had, he had a remedy. He had love. And he knew love would bring about change. So the Holy Spirit has been promised it's irrevocable in your life. Now the Spirit can be grieved. The Spirit can be quenched in your life. You can say no to the Spirit of God. If somebody says, you know, the Spirit of God is this uncontrollable thing and you can't, you can't control, that's not true. In fact, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the Spirit operates in love. And so we have the ability to say, no, thank you. If you're going to say no, you should at least say thank you. Be polite about it. We can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit in our life. But that doesn't mean the Spirit goes away. The Spirit is with us. Here to stay. Just as you are in God's family, here to stay. If you're His, you've been grafted in, you're here to stay. You don't get adopted in and then unadopted. Good, that's good news. Some of you, you're hearing me, but you're not hearing me. Okay? It's true. God didn't go anywhere when you messed up. And that's not bad news, that's good news. Jesus says, I'm sending an advocate to help you who will be with you forever. And he calls the Spirit of God, he calls it the Spirit of truth. Who is Jesus? Truth. The Spirit points to Jesus. In the same way the Spirit helps us understand who the Father is, the Spirit helps us understand who Jesus is. If you're lacking understanding in your walk with God, ask the Spirit to help you. It's what the Spirit does best. Some of you, you're in school. You have some teachers who you love. The reason you love them is because they give you the right information. They know how to encourage you. They know how to give you the things that you need to know. And you'd be silly to not go to them to ask for help and understanding in those things because you know that they have a wealth of information and knowledge and understanding and you know you can go to them for that. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher you have. The Holy Spirit is the best professor on the planet. Are you with me? So why wouldn't you go to the Spirit and ask for help? For understanding. That's what the Spirit does best. That's what the Spirit's here to do, bring us into understanding. Not just information, but into actually knowledge of who He is. Knowledge of who the Father is. Knowledge of who the Son is. That's what the Spirit does. So we kind of need the Spirit. <laughs> Again, in verse 15, because He says, he's, Jesus is like, 
I'm going to put some of these things on repeat because you need to remember them, okay? It says, when the advocate comes, verse 26, chapter 15, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Again, the role of the Spirit, pointing to Jesus, helping us to understand this family. I want to talk about one more thing related to the Spirit, and I think it's something that um, many of us perhaps get discouraged about. Um, perhaps we've, um, we've kind of given up on communication with God. Again, if the Spirit is the one that allows us to understand truth and allows us to understand God, actually in that Ephesians passage, he calls it the Spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him. That's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him. You have someone in your corner on your behalf saying, I want you to know him. Do you think God is making it hard or easy to know him? That was a rhetorical question. I just needed to drink some water. He has gone out of his way to make it possible and to give us direct access to knowing him through the Spirit. I hope by just repeating these things, actually, that we're, we're just bringing down some walls. Because I feel like... Um, I'm pretty sure there's some frustration in the room in regards to this. And if you don't hear anything else, and you don't understand anything else tonight, I believe for some of you, there's a starting place tonight where God is saying, do you believe this to be true? Just a simple question. Do you believe this to be true? Will you trust in the truth of my promises on your behalf? And for some of us, he's just saying, it doesn't have to be all complicated. I'm just bringing it down to the level of asking you this question. Do you believe this? And that may seem really simple. If you don't believe it, say, God, I don't believe it yet. But I want to. And if you do, then say, God, yes, I believe it. So help help it to sink in. Help me to get this. I just really believe that God is wanting to make it simple. He's given us what we need to know him. He's given us what we need to know him. And if you, if you don't hear anything else, besides the last thing I told you to listen to, one more thing. I just really believe that he's given each of us that so we don't have to sit here and wait for somebody else to bring wisdom and revelation because it's the spirit that does that. And if you have the Spirit, then you have access to understanding what God is like. Not relying on someone else to tell you. So important. We don't do that in our other relationships. So why do we do that with God? You want to get to know somebody, you don't go ask somebody else, hey, what is this person like? You don't go ask a friend to tell you how another friend is doing if you really want... If you want 
the facts, if you want the information, if you want to get to know them, you go directly to them. But we do that with church. We do that with God. Um, we, we read commentaries. We read sermons. We come on Sunday to hear somebody tell us things that we don't understand. And, and you know what? All of those places, there's something good to be gleaned. But if we don't do it for ourselves, then we're missing out. We're missing out on our inheritance. I said this last week. God has set this table of feasts. And it's possible that it could be all right in front of us and we not see it. And we not partake in the meal. That's our inheritance. I just believe God in his grace, he's saying, it's available. It's available. It's not your wisdom that allows you to see him. It's his wisdom. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll lead you into that. One more thing. It's in John chapter 10. The words of Jesus related to this, okay? The Holy Spirit and hearing from God. That's what we're talking about. See, because I believe the promise of hearing from God, of knowing him, is one of these core elements of our inheritance that the church has neglected, the church has explained away, the church has made more complicated than it really is. It's a gift. It's a gift. Knowing him is a gift. And part of that gift is hearing from him. How are you going to know him if you don't hear from him? Are you with me? It makes sense, doesn't it? Like in the natural, but then when we come to the word and we come to God, we make it all complicated. And we're like, well, God doesn't exactly speak that way anymore. He sends these telegrams that take five months to get there. And I'm okay with that. You're not okay with that. If you are, something's wrong. Don't be okay with that. We live in the day and age of email and Snapchat and all those things. So why are we waiting for something that's, you know, taking forever to get there or thinking that's how God does it? No. All right, so let me read this right here, John 10. He's talking about relationship with him. And he uses this analogy of sheep. How many of you know sheep aren't very bright, are they? You might not know that. Take my word for it. Sheep aren't very smart, okay? I don't think this is about God saying we're dumb. <laughs> I think it's more about God saying if the sheep can get it, so can you. <laughs> All right? This is what it says. He says the gatekeeper, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name. That's really good. He calls you by name. He's not calling you through somebody else. He's calling you by name. He wants you to hear your name spoken from his mouth. That's how personal, that's how intimate he wants to be with you. That's what Jesus promised. That's part of the promises that are fulfilled through him. I want you to get excited. I want you to get hungry, perhaps for something that you haven't had before. Just because you haven't had it doesn't mean you can't have it. 
He says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He's calling you so that he can lead you. How does he lead you? He leads you by his voice. When he has brought out all his sheep, he goes on ahead of them. So he's going before you and his, voice, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. How are you going to follow God if you don't know his voice in your life? The Spirit wants to lead you to be able to hear the voice of God. The direction of God. To even be able to hear your name spoken by him. Do you believe that? And in fact, that's really important because of what he says next. He says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. If you don't recognize God's voice, you'll be in confusion. Because the stranger's voice is the one you're not supposed to recognize. You're supposed to recognize God's voice. And until you recognize God's voice, you won't be able to know the difference between his voice and the stranger's voice. They're very different. They're very different. But until you hear him, you won't know the difference. Until you become intimate and understanding, until you begin to let the Spirit speak and begin to know, train your ear and train your heart to understand what the Spirit sounds like, what the Father sounds like, what Jesus sounds like, you're going to be confused. So it's really important, and Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. That is a promise. But it's a promise that we need to take him up on. The way the sheep hear his voice is because they've become familiar with him. The way that they know his voice is they've become familiar with him. That takes you taking him up on the promise and beginning to let it sink in in your heart and in your life. So that's what I want to pray for us tonight. Wow, the inheritance, the inheritance we have, the family we've been invited into, the ability, the privilege to hear from God. It's a privilege. But it's also a right because Jesus won it for you. It's not arrogance to say, God, I know you want to speak. So I'm in expectation. It's actually confidence in what he's promised. Do you have confidence in him in that way? Do you want that in your life? I want to pray that over us tonight. See, because it doesn't it doesn't get me really excited to have you guys leaning in every Sunday. What, what's, what's he going to say? What gets me excited is when you show up to this time and you say, you won't believe what God said to me. You won't believe what opened up in the word for me for the first time. You won't believe what the Spirit has been revealing in my life. You won't believe it. I heard my name. That's what gets me excited. That's why we're here. That's what God promised. 
Put me out of business, people, okay? <laughs> there still be a place for this. But I, I want to see it all around this room. What gets me excited, what moves me is people saying, I've heard from God, I know him. Because that's what he's made available. That's your inheritance. And I want to pray for that. Let's pray.